Pete. Yo, Ray. How are you, mate? I'm really good, mate. Really good. When I got the call up to be here, mate, I couldn't give up the opportunity. Well, mate, we appreciate you jumping on. And um, you've also, you're also jumping on have a chat with Ray and Stad as well. So we're getting a double dose of you tonight. I, I believe Bobby's on his way. Bobby's on his way. Oh, Stad's really on his excited. way. No, that's great stuff, mate. And especially with you two. We're going to have a fantastic time. It's going to be good. But ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Talk To Me, the show where I get my friends to talk to me. Uh, today, it's Pete. And uh, there's a lot of words to describe this guy. He's my mate. He's a mentor. He's a guide. He helps me out with a lot of things. And yeah, mate, it's good to have you on. Yeah, good to be on, mate. So uh, I look forward to answering some of those tough questions and embarrass myself. And Well, that's the plan. You know? yeah, I want is. to embarrass you as much as I can. And... Um, We'll see if you can survive after this. Can I just say I love the new look? Thank you. Hey? <laughs> I, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of that compliment. Thank you very much. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, Pete, why don't you explain who you are, like where you're from, what's the go with you, man? Well, look, you know, I'm married, four kids, four girls. Um, I own a business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm 46 years of age, so... You know, I've been around now, you know, I've been involved in church ministry, as you know, you know, we're leaders, um, making those tough decisions. So there's a lot on our plate. Like, I think people in our in our position, you've you got to be accustomed to making those difficult choices and carrying a lot of weight. So, but thank God, God's been good, you know, as you know, and as, as you're starting to taste, there's, you know, difficult decisions you've got to make on this mm. journey when you take on that role. Um, but other than that, you know what? I'd like to think I'm a down-to-earth bloke. Uh, you know, you either hate me, you love me, yeah, or you're in much. between, whatever. But, <laughs> you know, other than that, you know, you kind of do your best to just, you know, be everyone's mate to a certain degree. Mm. But that's me in a nutshell. Well, then how do you balance being a leader, not just in church, but at work, as well as a mate? Because that overlaps a lot in your life. I know you've got mates that work for you. You've got people at church that are the mates that work on, under you and with you in ministry, how do you balance the two? Uh, that's a really good question. Look, at the end of the day, Ray, I'll say this. It comes down to your personality. You've got to be a straight-up guy, Okay. all right? So you've got to be balanced. You can't be one person and a different person the next day. So I kind of try and maintain who I am everywhere across the board. The ugly thing about it sometimes, as you know, I've got mates working for me, I'm in the ministry, and sometimes you kind of got to have that leadership role, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So there's moments where you're going to be in church, you're going to be in a meeting, and you've got to make those difficult decisions. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, when, when I come across that, um, it leaves a sick feeling in my stomach mm-hmm. because I'm not a confrontationalist, and the last thing I want to do is address somebody that I love. Mm-hmm. But I look at the big picture, and I look at why I do the things that I do. And this is why I'm super cautious about being fair in every decision I make. It's a real difficult place to be in yep. um, where you have your mates working for you, you got your mates at church, but still in certain ministries you've got to lead them. And it takes its toll on you. So there's, there's been those nights where I kind of lay in bed with my eyes open and I'm just chewing on certain things. It, it, it's difficult, I'm not going to lie to you. And I think the one thing that I agree with you on is I'm not a confrontationalist either. Um, I actually hate that side of leadership, that side of ministry. How do you deal with that? Because there's a lot of people out there that are the same way, but they do have to face those difficult situations. 
whatever tough decision that I make, mm-hmm. first and foremost, I do it in love. And at the end of the day, you have to make those decisions which is right. Mm-hmm. It is so tough to be able to do that to a friend, a loved one, or even a person at church. Because at church, you've got to appreciate, no one's getting paid to do what they do. Yeah, that's right. So again, it is a balance. I'll look at it this way. Does it make me uneasy going to church? Honest truth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Really? I'm not going to lie to you. I, um, when i got to make those decisions, it really, really does take its toll on me. Um, because it's not natural for me. Where some of the other leaders, I'll make a decision and and kind of be comfortable with it. I'm not that person. Um, So at the end of the day, I kind of struggle with it. Mm -hmm. But I know I have a role, I have a position, and like I've told you many a time, just be prepared for it. Not every decision that you make at church, it's going to be um, received by everybody. Yeah, and that's the hard part, especially within the church circles, but let's take it back. Let's take it back to before church, before all that. Oh, How no. did you become a Christian? How did I become a Christian? This is a story I actually really like, so I'm excited Ooh, to get on How did I become a Christian? Okay. Now, we did grow up with some kind of faith. Yeah. <clears throat> My cousin was an evangelist, and about at the age of 10 or 11, he would take me under the wing. He would give me the Bible, um, and he goes, Pete, um, if you memorise all the books of the New Testament, I'll buy you a Big Mac. Okay. Mate, that was an offer I couldn't refuse. Oh, especially at 10, yeah, for yeah, sure. Mate, Big Macs. My kids get Big Macs nearly every day now, mate. They don't understand. But anyway, <laughs> but um, my mother, as a young child, would always teach me to pray before I went to bed. Mm-hmm. The main thing that I kind of looked at throughout my life is those that God put before me. My parents would always pray. And we went to you know, a Catholic church. Yep. All right. And that's where I kind of went for a good part of my life. Probably 30 years I would go, I would read the Bible and so forth. So my love for God was always there. Was I living faithfully? No. By the time I started um, tertiary education, I started playing football, we'd be going to pubs, clubs and what have you. And I kind of went down that path. Um, I, look, to some degree, I did have that conviction. So yeah. we, we behaved ourselves yeah. to a certain degree. But did I drink? Yeah, we did all that. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Mm. It is what it is. Um, and, and I'm happy to talk about it. Um, so, you know, by the age of 23, 24, there was that emptiness. I was lacking something. And I really thought, you know, this can't be just life. There was an emptiness. I didn't have that bond with God anymore and I really wanted it. When I've read the scriptures all my life, I had the head knowledge. So I always knew God was always there, right? Yeah. So by that time, I made a decision, hey, you know, I really want to get involved. So I started holding Bible studies. Okay. You know, I, I knew kind of a portion of you know, the scriptures to a certain degree. So I was able to kind of gain momentum, hold Bible studies, and it began to grow. But the emptiness was still there. You're I just trying to fill that void. I certainly did. And I just couldn't shake it off. Yeah, I couldn't shake it off. And as I've told many people in the past that, 
you know, when I'd be holding those Bible studies and I'd be at the footsteps of uh, the local church or the hall that was out mm-hmm. front of the local church, I would walk out onto the bo- balcony at night. I would look up to the sky and I'd say, God, why am I feeling this way? Am I not doing your work? Mm. And I kept saying that until one day I went to God somewhat frustrated and said, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Do you want me to walk away from this place? 30 years of my life, I'm prepared to do it. I'll close the door and I'll go wherever you want me to go. I was invited to an MBF, which is basically, um, how would you explain that? A bunch of churches a in A gathering Australia of churches. Coming together for a conference for a couple of days and, yeah, hanging out. So here's the thing. I went and I sat by myself. I didn't want anyone to sit next to me. I remember seeing some of the members of our church there, okay. which I did kind of already know, but I was just a bit angry at this stage, so I sat in that chair, and our church was ho- hosting it, right? Mm-hmm. So as I was sitting down, listening to what was being said and watching our workers in the background, it was a supernatural feeling that happened to me. You know when they say, God spoke to me? Yeah. It wasn't audible, okay. okay? I can't explain it, but God spoke to my heart and said, Pete, this is where I want you to be. Very rarely has this happened to me, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought, bang, I've got to go tell my wife this. Now, what's the first thing that's going to go through her head? Is this guy a nutbag? Yeah, God spoke, you know, God God spoke, spoke to, him. to me. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it was too evident and she she knows who I am and I went to her and I said I can't explain it 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 was just an overwhelming feeling of whether it was a conviction but the Lord spoke to me and said this is where I want you to be and I told my wife um God spoke to me so she said well how about we do this 50 50 we'll go to solid compromise (laughs) yeah I was I was happy with that yeah fair we went 50 50 to this church and went 50 50 to the church that we're going at the time Long and behold, you know, it's just too evident when we started doing that, our heart just went down the one direction. God made it absolutely clear. You can't you can't fight against God. Like yeah. you know the story of Noah. He tried going to get you just can't do it. He'll yeah. pull you back in yeah. and he did that. And I thank God that he did because he he, he knew what was best for me more than what I did. Mm. And that's that's what kind of led me to the church. If that answers that question. Yeah, so that led you there. Yeah. But what was the time when was the time you made the decision to follow Christ? Was there a specific moment in it? When I actually cried out to the Lord? Yeah. Yeah, there was. Um Was that far between that? Yeah, time yeah, period? it was. It was in my teens. In your teen years. Yeah, that that's why I knew the Lord beforehand. Uh-huh. So many people assume that when I came to the church that's I was when saved. You got saved and things Yeah. I had another supernatural encounter. Mm. So I've had two right now. Okay. okay? But if you were to backtrack a bit and go to my early years, there was a period I think I was around 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. Okay, now here we go. How long do I have, by the way? Mate, you got as much time as you want. Okay, well, I don't want to bore anybody. No, until the boys start knocking on the door, okay. you've got all the time in the world. Okay, well, let's, let me share this experience with you. There was a period of my life as a young teen, a certain emptiness came upon me. Mm. I felt... In the pits of my stomach, really empty. It was like a dark feeling. It was empty and I felt so disconnected from God. And I started to question, is God, does God really exist? Is he there? So I started going to prayer and I started asking the Lord, 
I said, Lord, why am I feeling this way? You know, I've prayed to you all my life since I was a child, and now I kind of I'm struggling with the fact whether or not you exist. The thought, if if I died, did did I really serve a purpose? Is there a rule? Is there a point okay. to my life? And I kept praying for approximately six months. It just wasn't right. I was empty. Just searching for that six months, far out. Searching, so it's pretty painful, right? Yeah. Anyway, long and behold, one night I get a knock on my door. This is a true story. This guy knocks on my door. He was a kid from my school who I, who I wasn't even friends with. Mm-hmm. And I looked down and I said, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, mate, I was in the neighbourhood and I thought I'd pop over. I don't even know if he was coming to our school at this stage or if he left. Okay. I was like, how does he know where I live? Yeah, fair As a matter fair. of fact, I'm the one that nicknamed him Psycho at school. So you weren't even mates with him? No. Okay. No, I nicknamed him. I gave him a nickname, Psycho, because he just didn't look right. (laughs) Okay. Forgive me for saying that. I love this guy, but anyway. And he just started pulling me out, and he started uh, just sitting down on my brick fence out the front, and he and he'd and he'd say to me, "I just remembered when we were in scripture class, Mm -hmm. you kind of knew everything that the teacher was speaking." Yeah. I said, "Yeah, I mean, I, I have been reading from an early age." He goes, well, I'm, just, I'm just letting you know I'm a born-again Christian. I said, oh, okay, okay. Uh, born-again Christian. I get it. I've heard of the terminology. Anyway, we got talking. But by the end of the night, he goes, do you mind if I pray with you? Now, I wasn't born up in the Baptist circle. So if somebody comes up and says, can I pray with you? It is a very awkward and interesting moment. Yeah, very different. You know, yeah. It's like saying, do you mind if I pray with you? So... I didn't know how to take it at the time, but I said, very well, not a problem. What have I got to lose? No one's around. I'm not embarrassed, whatever. Yeah, sure. We ended up in the middle of the road. I can't explain it, but the minute he started to pray, I started to let myself go. And something supernatural happened. Not many people will understand what I'm saying because everyone has a different journey. Yeah. And sometimes I'm even afraid to mention it because they might think I'm something I'm that a I'm psychopath. not. Yeah. yeah. But an overwhelming feeling of joy came into my heart, as Second Peter explains, to the point he said, "Do you feel that?" Wow. Yeah. I said, "Yeah, I do." Okay. He said, "Do you know what that is?" And even back then, I said, "When two or more come in my name, I will be upon them." The Holy Spirit entered me that moment and pushed all that negative feeling out. And I cannot explain what a feeling this was, but it, I was just, the Bible calls it an overwhelming feeling of joy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just joy, it was overwhelming. Yeah, It was something spiritual, special, and those feelings, I, I've never felt that way again in my whole life. Why did God allow me to go through that? Well, with all due respect, now I know what most people go through if they're unsaved. Yeah. So when I'm speaking to them, I can relate to their feelings. So when I start to describe that feeling within them, nine times out of, the, out of ten, they're looking at me like this quite intently, thinking, how does he know this? Or... But I tread very carefully yeah, of because course. not everyone's receptive. And they're not going to understand what you understand at this point because, like you said, you went through six months of searching, like mm. diligently, 
to that point where it all meets ahead and you're just sort of like, oh, wow, there's the answer. Yeah. And it's hard to explain that. It's hard to um, get people to understand how simple it actually is because prior to getting that, we didn't understand it either. No, but, you know, I speak with most Christians today. Mm. There's not many Christians that had the same spiritual encounter that I had. Interesting. Everyone's okay. different, yeah. right? Like mine was on the spur of the moment. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I knew very well at that point, God interceded right there. Mm. Most people get saved and then go through a period that they kind of... Trying to figure it out. Figure it out, I mean, doubt their salvation. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't have that. Um, but having said that, you know, as you know and what we just explained about, I then took the tough road. Mm. So, you know, being a Christian for me has been quite challenging as you know, so that's where I did end up going back into the world. Mm. I couldn't explain why I couldn't enjoy nightclubs, but I know now that when I was there and I kind of fought within myself, why am I not enjoying it? I was grieving the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me enjoy it. I understand that now. Can you can you talk to me a little bit about those backsliding years and what that feels like? I don't need details of what we did and what, what went down, but... What's God saying to you the entire time? Because there's got to be something eating at you. God let me go for a while. Mm-hmm. My journey was an interesting one. I, yeah. di- I still didn't have a church to go to, right? Uh-huh. But he plucked me at that point. Yeah. So I went into the world, you know, again, playing football, going to clubs, even with some of the boys that you know. Yep. If I can throw them under the bus, <laughs> I will. Go for God. <laughs> Not like they're ever going to listen to this. <laughs> I don't mind doing that. But anyway, we went out, we drink, you get drunk. Um, but I could never explain why. I, I hated going to nightclubs. Mm. I really did. I couldn't get into it. But because everyone else was doing it, I was doing it. Yeah. Um, I always had that conviction about being with other women. Mm-hmm. All right. And I, and I just, I toiled with it. Yeah. I just, why, why am I like this? It's a, look, it's a struggle because you can't have both feet, you know, in different areas of your spiritual life, like, you know. Um, but then after a, after a specific period of time, I couldn't fight it anymore and I kind of decided to make the decision, listen, I don't want that. I'm married now. I don't want that lifestyle. It's not bringing any joy. It's just temporary. Yeah. A lot of people find that out. And then I just came back and made that commitment to, to follow God at church and I've not looked back. The minute I came to FBC, it's just been go, 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 go. I have not slowed down. Yeah. Whatever ministry came my way, I got stuck into it. And what was it like to get into ministry first up? Do you remember your early days of it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what's interesting is when I first joined the church, uh, Pastor Nabil uh, mentioned to me to do the preaching course. Okay. I thought, preaching course? And everybody at church knows more than me. How am I going to get up and preach to them? Yeah. I'm only new. And yeah. I'm not – I was afraid to say things incorrectly. Incorrectly because – the I'm most a, nerve-wracking thing in the church. As you would sure, know. 100%. I wasn't brought up in the Baptist realm, mm. okay? Um, but I did it. I, I always looked at it from the perspective. If that's what God's putting in front of me, you do it. Yep. You don't look sideways. Okay. And you just do it. And I did it. And, you know, like I tell most people, sometimes you've got to put your hand over your eyes and walk by faith. Mm. And I did. And, mate, for years, like over three years, um, 
when I would preach, I would get that nervous before the message. I'd be pacing up and down the hallway with bloodshot eyes. Um, I just I would I was one of those people that get really nervous. Yeah, and, and, and it's <clears> not the it's not the public speaking side of it. And I think that's something that a lot of people yeah. don't really realize. It's not about public speaking. 100%, uh, you're pretty much like me, where we can talk anyone's ear off. It's the fact that it's presenting God's word. Yep. That that's that is the massive. You part become of accountable. It. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that rocked my boat. I'm not going to lie to you, but the more I persisted, the more I learned with studying the scriptures to prepare my message, and it was just a journey from there on in. I became a Sunday school teacher. So, mm. you know, I was already studying, so it kind of helped me on that walk. And thank God, like, uh, I still am uncomfortable with preaching the word, but not like what it was previously. Yeah, I don't think you ever lose that, though. I think it's a good thing to have that um, that discomfort in you because it reminds you of what you're doing. I yeah. think the day you lose that is going to be a very dangerous day preaching the gospel. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there was one instance where I took it for granted mm-hmm. and I went to preach and in my mind it was like, you know what, I'm used to this. Yeah, I'll be okay. Yeah. It was only once in the – how long have I been preaching for now? Chester Hill Over days, 10 right? years? Yep. How long have you been in uh, this building? Uh, 11 years now, I think. 11? 10 to 11, yeah, no. something like that. So about 13 years of my preaching, yeah. there was once I had this experience where I went to the pulpit thinking I'll be all right. From the beginning of the message to the end of the message, I felt disconnected from the people. It was one of the worst moments of my life. The spirit was not there. When I got off, I went and knelt down. I crouched thinking, I pray nobody comes up to me. Mm. I was that ashamed and embarrassed. From there on in, I made sure I was prayed up, I fasted, and I never took it for granted ever again after that. Yeah, I think everyone has one of those experiences where they realise this is more than what we give it credit for. And I think being in ministry for as long as some people have, you can lose that very quickly because it's just... It becomes second nature. Yeah. Going to church, I'm doing this, it's all good. But then you forget who we're doing it for and why we're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the danger of being boastful and mm. letting it get to your head, I suppose, right? I mean, as you would know, God will just bring you back down that quick. Yeah, he and he hun- did to me on that day, and I'll never forget it, mate. I'll tell <laughs> you what, ministry my boat. Ministry is one of the most humbling thl- things on the planet, mate. But um, then a couple of years passed maybe a couple of more than a couple of years, and you get put forth with deaconship. Can you explain that to me? Because it's, it's something I've never actually spoken to you yeah. about and something that's big in a person and their family's life. Quite interesting. I was, at that time, I was praying for direction in my life mm-hmm. and I was, Lord, what would you have me to do? Real interesting. Even though I was already serving, I wanted a clearer direction. Funny thing is, Pastor Bill comes up to me and he goes, Pete, you've been nominated for deaconship. You want to know what was the first thought that went through my head? What's that? Which one of the boys is playing <laughs> a practical joke by throwing my name in there? Okay. I kid you not. And I thought, those guys, mate, I'm going <laughs> to slap them silly. And then I, as I was dwelling on it more and more, it kind of hit me. 
is God actually answering my prayer? Okay. And I thought, oh, wow, okay, let me just take a step back here. What's going on? Because to get nominated for being a deacon, I mean, it's, it's pretty big. Like, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. I never thought anyone would ever see me in that light. I was just too busy serving, 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 serving. And it's not a small job either. And it's not a small job and mm. it carries a lot of weight and it's a responsibility mm. and it's an honour, Yeah, you know, 100%. for to be nominated. So I said to myself, Pete, you better take a step back and think about this quite seriously. Mm. And then I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this. If the Lord wants me in, he'll put me in. Long and behold, um, they went to the ballot paper. You know, we're kissing babies. No, I'm just kidding. We, <laughs> wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. You don't do that. That's wrong. It was just a joke. But passing the bill came up to me and he goes, Pete, it was quite convincing you were in there. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, wow, people see me in that light. And yeah. I just remember feeling, you know, serving the Lord. He, he, he will take you from a position and put you in another position. And from there on in, I've always been careful how I walk. You know, it helped me sharpen the way I live, my testimony. And just to be there, you know, just God kind of gives you a heart to want to help people as well. Yeah. Um. And that's how I kind of that was my journey into becoming a deacon, but again, at the same time, it carries a lot of weight because then again, like I said to you earlier, you've got to be making those decisions where you really don't want to be making. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is, um, and sometimes people can look at you in a positive light. But let me just say something: I learned this that people also look at you in a negative way as yeah. well so how do you deal with it in the first year let's let's go back to your mindset there because it like you said massive responsibility huge step and god's now entrusted you to be part of the leadership team for his church how's that play on you mentally so how did i adjust yeah bro it was tough it was tough because you know in the beginning stages even your mates will be Cracking jokes. Yeah, oh, watch sure. it. The deacon is here. And I'll be quite honest. To this day, I don't like people referring to me as deacon. Yeah, for sure. From back then right through yeah. to now, I struggle with the title. Because even though the boys used to make fun of it, mm. make light of it, it made me feel uncomfortable. If you want me to be honest, yeah, it did. Because I never wanted anyone to look at me different or look at me as if I'm holier than them. Because yeah. I wasn't. I really wasn't. Mm. I just wanted to serve and that was basically it. But does it sometimes change the way people look at you? Yes. Yeah, sure. Yes. And it's a it's an it's a it's a mountain that you gotta climb. Mm. Because sometimes people look at you and say, Why is he deacon? Yeah. And so it's like earning your stripes. But I didn't go out to earn people's stripes. I just did my thing. And you just got to be prepared for those comments made along the way. But God kind of prepares you. So I, I was all right with it. You know, yeah. I'm a big boy. I climbed that mountain. And now, you know, people are used to the fact that I've been a deacon for, I really don't know now, a decade? I'm not That's sure. But I don't, I don't keep count on it because yeah. it doesn't, it's not a priority for me. But, but you just do what you got to do for God. And, you know, this is what I want. Let's all be in the same boat. Let, yeah. let no title 
separate us. And I think that's the major point is I think as people we get caught up with titles, as people we get caught up with, um, you know, who's in what position and all that sort of stuff. But that was never how it was meant to be and that's not how we're meant to look at it. We're all in the same body of Christ. Oh, we're yeah, all meant to absolutely. be working towards that one goal. Yeah. Um, but then the other side of your life, I want to take 10 minutes to talk about it, is VMC. Yeah. Talk to me about VMC. When did that start? What do you guys do? What's the go there? All right. We bought into VMC 2005. Tough struggle running a small yeah. business. Just so it puts you know you in some perspective. I was eight, but continue. You were eight. I was eight. To ponder on, Ray. To ponder on. No worries, mate. <laughs> yeah, look, it was a tough gig because at the end of the day, you know, we always based our company as being a Christian company, right? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You've got to do right. Yeah. You've got to run your books right. Um, you want to maintain a good testimony. Our accountant keeps us honest. She's a Christian. Mm. Now, sometimes you get frustrated. Well, I'm paying so much in tax. Can't you do this? Can't you? Well, Peter, you... <laughs> no such thing as dodgy. No such Christian thing as that. You're right. You're yeah. right. I get it. I don't want to do anything dodgy, but, you know, we struggle to get ahead at time, at times. But, you know, over the last few years, um, God's really starting to bless us in a major way. But we've put in the tough yards, Ray. Like, mm. what people don't understand are those sleepless nights. The fact that do you have enough money to pay wages? So what did that do to me in terms of faith? I really had to rely on God. I'll give you an example. There's moments where my secretary would say, Pete, there's not enough money in the account. Now, this is the honest truth. I always say to her, have faith. By that night that we've got to pay wages, we always get some sort of a payment. That's I just I can't explain it. So I don't worry about that anymore. Mm. You know, I don't worry about that. Um, I'm comfortable with not having enough money because I just know God delivers. But here's the thing, Ray. I, I need to say to anybody that's starting out in business, and this is a philosophy that I've lived by, and it's not me boasting or bragging, but it's just good advice. Ensure you always give to God from the beginning. And I mm. believe that's been the secret to my success. I never, ever withheld my hand from God. Not only do I give to God personally, but from the business as well. And that is the key. A lot of people make the mistake, oh, when I get money, I'll give to God. You're better off not giving. You don't need your money. You just don't need it. you just got to be able to walk by faith sometimes. And it might take years. To me, it took over 10 years Mm. to walk by faith. Really? Yeah, yeah, it did. Absolutely. It was a tough journey. I'm not going to lie to you. But I did, and now I can look back and, you know, I enjoy the fact that we can call ourselves a Christian company. And your company is in the fire and security industry, which, if we're blunt, isn't the cleanest industry there is. Mm. How do you maintain that Christianity in an environment like that? Or how would you encourage others to do the same? All right. Good question. Now, here's me being honest. People have offered to give me work if I pay them under the table. Mm-hmm. That does cross my path. Yep. I walk away. How hard is it to do that? Well, when I needed work, yeah, it would be the smart decision to, to take at the time. But hey, it just doesn't sit right. Yeah. And if I need to pay for it, you know, I think sometimes you just got to be able to prove yourself to God. 
Mm-hmm. So God, I know it's tough and you see what I'm going through. You see that I'm struggling to pay wages. You see that I'm out there, you know, being abused by clients, but I'm shutting my mouth because I need to finish the job to get paid. Mm. You see that I'm spending more money just to keep them happy so they can pay the bill at the end of the day. God sees it all. He sees what you go through. It's a journey, Ray, and you just got to be able to have faith that God will deliver you at the end of the day. And it's tedious. It's tiresome. It's frustrating. You can get bitter at times. But not, I guess not everyone's cut out to, to travel that path. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, business owners, they're the type of people that, I mean, we sp- I spoke to Jake Farmy about that a couple of months back, but they're a different breed. You know, it's not for everyone. And a Christian that decides to undertake that, you've really put a lot of pressure on yourself because not only are you trying to run a successful business, but you're trying to keep a proper testimony for Christ. And that's a balancing act that I'm going to guess is a struggle day to day. Yeah, it is. With workers and clients. Mm. I mean, majority of your workers aren't Christians. So they're not going to understand why you give grace before you have a Christmas party. Yeah. You know, but look, thank God everyone respects it. I've got all different types of religions. Mm. You know what? That's my opportunity to pray. Um, so as much as you can, Ray, you will use any opportunity to do your best, but you just you don't want to play two fields because the minute you start delving on the other side, for example, paying somebody under the table, you kind of shoot your testimony. Yeah, 100%. It looks bad. Um, and, and people will see it, if not your own workers. But see, my workers know I hold very strong to my morals, so George and I. So I've, I've crossed that path. They know who we are. God sent me some good Christian workers now, like mm-hmm. Mick, that you know shares the same convictions, and God's just really opening doors for us at the moment. And praise the Lord for it. Yeah, and I think that's just the testimony to anyone that's thinking about that side of things is you need to stay true to what you believe and you need to stay true to what God has taught you throughout the years because mm. the second you compromise it starts a ripple effect that can end pretty badly yeah yeah. and you don't have to be in business rail I mean I look at a lot of our young people mm. hey you, you, you don't have to lose your testimony or gain anyone's favour to get places yeah I believe honestly if you maintain your Christian morals on that merit alone people will see there's something different about you and they will trust your work ethic even more so. So don't compromise. I, I don't know why young people feel the need that they have to compromise to get somewhere. You don't. Uh, on the contrary, you know, I think people respect Christian morals even though they're not Christians because they see you stand for something, and that's what most people don't do anymore. Yeah, 100%. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Well, before we end it off, Pete, because we're running out of time, I say this to everyone, I ask everyone this question. I put you in a DeLorean and I send you 10 years back. What are you telling Pete 10 years ago? Oh, wow. How old are you 10 years ago? 36. 36. Well, okay. That, that's a good question, eh? Good, would I change anything? What's just one piece of advice you'd oh, give him? What would I... Besides become a professional surfer. <laughs> um, you reckon you could have made those moves at 36, mate? Oh, yeah, maybe. Sure, if you say <laughs> no. so. Um, I would say 
Oh, it's a tough one. I'd probably just warn myself what you're going to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, just be prepared for the backlash. Be, be prepared that no matter how much right you do, not everyone's going to see it that way. And you just just trust in God a bit better than what you do. That's what I'd say to myself. I'd encourage myself that you know God is there in the long run. Um, because sometimes if I go back to when I was 36, I probably didn't see the finish line too well. Okay. I think that's about it, really. See the finish line a little bit better. Yeah. And that's important for everyone. I mean, guys my age don't see it. Like when you, especially in your 20s, you're not looking at the finish line. You're no. looking at the next six months, no. if that. Yeah, just walk by faith and keep going. God does pull you out of it. 100%. Well, Pete, thank you so much for talking to me. My pleasure, Ray. Appreciate it, mate. Ladies and gents, make sure you follow the channel, subscribe, share it around. Let us know who else you want on the show. Pete, thanks again, mate. My pleasure, bro.